This episode is brought to you by Odyssey Mushroom Elixir. This month is National Mushroom Month, and we are celebrating the incredible power of functional mushrooms with Odyssey Sparkling Mushroom Elixir. Odyssey contains 2,750 milligrams of lion's mane and cordyceps mushrooms that have been shown to increase brain function, mood, memory, and boost energy. With Odyssey Mushroom Elixir, there's no need to settle for a drink that's full of chemicals and empty calories. The flavors are delicious. There are caffeinated and uncaffeinated options, and I love to use it as a mocktail at parties, as an afternoon pick-me-up, and while I love all of the flavors, my favorite is the sparkling dragon fruit lemonade. If you want to try Odyssey Mushroom Elixir, you can take 20% off your purchase today with code CWPODCAST at odysseyelixir.com. All of that information can be found in our show notes or link tree on Instagram. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a really great conversation with our friend, Jess Sukan. Um, She is a hormone health coach. And in this episode, we get really detailed in cycle syncing and the phases of our cycle. And it's a longer episode, but Jess really goes into each phase of the cycle and how we can fuel ourselves and move our bodies through our follicular, ovulatory, menstrual and luteal phase. I just did that a little out of order, but, um, <laughs> but she goes really into it. And and we've had a lot of recent episodes about hormone health. And I know it's something that a lot of our listeners and, and Allie and I are very interested in. And we recently had Esther Blum on to talk about menopause and perimenopause, which could start in your late thirties. Um, we had Amy Raup come on and talk about fertility and hormone health and the trying to conceive journey. And so I think this is a really great addition to that because this is our first episode that really goes deep into cycle syncing and the phases of our cycle. So it's a longer episode, but it's, it's really, it's detailed. And so we think you'll really enjoy it as much as we did. 
Yes, absolutely. And if you have any questions, reach out, you know, I'm sure Jess would love to hear from people. Um, Erica and I can also help answer any questions. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Jess, for coming on. And, um, you know, as we always do, we're going to do a quick update. We'll keep it a little shorter this week with our weekly updates. Um, I just got back from Connecticut. I spent Labor Day weekend there with some friends from my youth, my hometown. Like I've known one of the girls I've known since we were in the third grade, which is pretty incredible with, you know, friends having children now. And it was really, it was really lovely. So it was a nice way to sort of wrap up the summer, although it's still hot here in Southern California and probably will be for the next month and a half, at least. September is always our hot, hot month here. Um, yeah, but that's just sort of my update. And, um, what about you? Any like fun things you want to, fun facts you want to throw out or fun little <laughs> fun recommendations? Little yeah. Yeah. We're going to keep it a little shorter this week again, because it's a longer episode, but it's juicy and good. But um, I guess my update is it's a little book update, a little book talk if you're on book talk, TikTok. Um, so this summer, my sister-in-law turned me on to A Court of Thorns and Roses, the series. And it's five books, but three are kind of like a trilogy and then it kind of starts the next chapter of them but it's really good highly recommend it's fantasy it's a little spicy so you know it's a little spicy but it's it's fantasy and it's really um strong female characters and it's wonderful and anyway my little update is so I finished I'm on the fourth book right now and I love it like 10 out of 10 can't recommend it's such a good escape um and it's just such a good book but it was so funny because I saw on book talk this morning um it's kind of gone viral that Lynn Manuel Miranda of Hamilton and Broadway and you know uh, in the Heights. That's what the his other project was called. In right? the Heights, in the- Hamilton. And he's done a lot of Disney stuff now, too. Oh, yeah, like- Moana. Oh, my and, gosh. And Encanto. I'm sure everyone listening knows who Lin-Manuel Miranda is. Yeah. But, um, right, he posted his, like, summer photo dump, essentially, you know, on Instagram. And in it, he had his reading list. And he read, over the summer, the A Court of Thorns and Roses series. And I just felt so good when I saw that. And I hope it's an Easter egg. Like I hope he, cause I think Hulu has the rights to making it a TV show or something. So I would love for him to be involved in some capacity because I love everything that he does. But, um, yeah, so I guess that's my short, quick update is a court of thorns and roses, 10 out of 10. I'm in the Sarah mass multiverse that I've heard. It's like a 15, 20 book multiverse I'm now in, but, um, yeah. And then the next book I want to read, which I think is going around book talk too, is I think it's called a fourth wing and it's fantasy as well. But, um, I think it's becoming really popular. I think it's just one book right now. I could be wrong about this, but I keep seeing a fourth wing everywhere. And my sister-in-law just read it and she was like, Erica, it's our next book. So it's nice that you guys do like book, um, like reading together you like you pick books to read them together it's fun yeah it's it's like really fun to share that with friends or with people in your life I'm trying to get more (laughs) I'm trying to get you to read A Court of Thorns and Roses too please read it but a lot of our listeners have actually slid into 
our DMs and they have also read or are reading A Court of Thorns and Roses. And so that's really fun to um to know as well. And this might be a reference, but you know, when I did go to the Taylor Swift Eras Tour concert, I chose Midnights as my era. And that also was a Court of Thorns and Roses reference. So Laura and I, Laura's my sister-in-law, um, we both dressed up for the Taylor Swift concert as Midnights for Taylor Swift, but also for A Court of Thorns and Roses. So, so funny. If oh, you know, you know. I'm like, I guess I, I'm out of the loop. Um. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we do have this long, great episode with Jess. Again, super informative. So we shouldn't waste any more time. But I just want to remind everybody that this episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Um, we are big fans of Milk and Honey. You can use our code CW Podcast for twenty percent off on their online store where they carry their own hyper clean products, um, and then also other beloved brands like Osea Malibu and Supergoop, Moon Juice, you know, a bunch, the list goes on. And then also if you're in LA, Chicago, or all around Texas, there are brick and mortar spa locations. They have um, wonderful spa services and you can also get 20% off there with the same code CW podcast. So with that, should we get to the episode? Okay, so today on the podcast, we welcome our friend, podcast host, and hormone health coach, Jess Sukan, to the show. Jess was previously on the podcast with her sister, Ryan, and that episode is linked in our show notes. In this episode, Jess goes deeper into her own wellness journey and background. Today, Jess works to help women rebalance their hormones to improve symptoms and gain greater confidence in their bodies. We have a really detailed conversation on cycle syncing with Jess sharing how we should eat and move at each phase of our cycle. We break down the menstrual, follicular, ovulatory, and luteal phases, and we know you will gain and learn so much from this informative conversation. Enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by BTR Nation. BTR is a female-founded brand that is on a mission to end mindless snacking with their protein bars with a purpose. Snacks get a bad reputation, high in sugar, ingredients you can't pronounce, ultra-processed. But what if you had a snack that checked all the right boxes, a snack with a purpose? Because when we snack mindfully, when we honor our bodies, our hunger, our snackiness, we transform our mindset. BTR bars and chocolate truffle cups are made with no gluten, no dairy, no soy, no added sugar, no corn or rice syrups, no GMOs, no natural flavors, no sugar alcohols, no stevia, no inflammatory ingredients, and no gums or fillers. The cleanest label in the category. They only use ingredients that you can pronounce and adaptogenic superfoods like reishi, lion's mane, and cordyceps. They also taste delicious. I always have the peanut butter chocolate chip bliss bars in my cabinet, and Erica doesn't go a day without having the dark chocolate truffle cups. Besides the many delicious snacks to choose from, we love the story of BTR. Founder and owner Ashley Marie found inspiration in an unlikely place at an unlikely time, at the hospital cafeteria. When both of her parents were diagnosed with cancer, her life turned upside down as she became their caretaker, and her own nutrition began to suffer. Ashley was devouring protein bars when she could, as many of us do, to fit in a meal or a snack. Most of the bars she quickly discovered were filled with sugar. After her parents passed away, she founded a bar brand based on their family mantra, Be Bold, Tenacious, and Resilient. 
If you want to try BTR bars and truffle cups, you can save 20% on your order with code Courageous Wellness, all one word, at btrnation.com. You can also find this link in our show notes and link tree on Instagram. Welcome back, Jess. Erica and I are so happy to have you. It's always nice to have a friend and colleague on the show. Um, you came on in the early days of Courageous Wellness with your sister, um, and you're both co-hosts of the Solo 2.0 podcast. But we love your work in you know, the hormone health space, your health coaching practice, the way you support women. And I think you just like have a really sort of accessible approach to um, really understanding our hormones and our cycle uh, and what we can do to um, better support that. So can you share with our audience just to get started a little bit about you, a little bit about the work that you do, if anyone hasn't heard the um, initial episode and, um, and why this kind of why this topic really drew you um, to be the focus of the health coaching that you do. Yeah. Well, thank you ladies so much for having me back. I'm really excited to be here. It's so good to see your beautiful faces and to reconnect. And yeah, you ladies were also a guest on the solo 2.0 podcast. So anybody listening will have to go check that one out too, because it was great. And um, yeah, I, you know, essentially it's also good that we're talking again, because I think things have shifted in the way that I coach and just kind of how my business model is too, and my style of coaching. So, you know, now I work one-on-one with women and I do online coaching, which is really awesome because I'm able to create customized plans for people that really take into consideration their unique hormonal symptoms, their goals, their lifestyle. Obviously, you know, a cookie cutter approach for anyone isn't going to work well, might work initially, but it's not going to be sustainable. I actually work with primarily moms, which isn't even a focus. It just kind of happened that way. And I love it because it's a good challenge for me, especially because they're really busy. They have a lot going on, you know, they tend to put themselves on the back burner. I think women do in general, but especially moms. And so it's really cool to help them to meet themselves where they're at and to make approachable changes and understand their body on a deeper level so that they can also educate their children on what's going on with their hormones and especially young, young girls, like getting them to understand a menstrual cycle before it happens and to also understand maybe why mommy's moods are changing throughout the month or when she needs a little bit more support. So it's great to work one-on-one with women. And, you know, I really take a very balanced approach because I come from 12 years of yo-yo dieting and a lot of body dysmorphia, but also, you know, I did have a point in my life where I needed to lose weight. I was overweight and I also just didn't feel good. It wasn't just about the weight. I had hormonal imbalances. I had a missing period, really low libido, terrible energy levels, um, and just didn't feel like myself, migraine headaches. And, um, which is actually something I still deal with, but I've gotten a lot of relief the past, um, six months, which I'm really excited about, but, um, yeah, you know, I gained and lost 45 pounds multiple times. I would lose 30 pounds, be up 10, lose 40 pounds, be up 20. You know, it was just nonstop for 12 years and I just wanted off the ride, but I couldn't figure out how without doing extremes. 
And, you know, I've done everything from South Beach diet to Atkins back when that was really hot to keto to even went vegan, paleo. I mean, literally have tried everything under the sun coupled with hours and hours and hours of cardio, hit training, just all the buzzwords that you hear in diet culture. And I just really felt like I'm never going to be able to lose and maintain weight. And I'm never going to be able to feel good unless I'm doing these things. And this is just going to be my life forever. I'm always going to be on or off something. And I just looked at other women and thought like, wow, like they're these unicorns. They're able to eat carbs. They're able to take a rest day. They're able to wear, you know, clothes that are a little bit tighter and feel confident. And that's just never going to be me. And so now that I'm, you know, probably gosh, like seven years past that, I really do know and understand what it means to have balance. And I have a much deeper connection with my body and my hormones. And I also know that what works for me right now may not work for me next year or even later on in this year. And so I love working with women to help them also tune in with their bodies, their menstrual cycles, get familiar with the different phases. And if, you know, weight loss is a goal, helping them do it in a really sustainable, practical, practical way. But it's really about, you know, taking one step at a time, not about extremes and about layering onto your progress each week. But, you know, it, it just can't be a quick fix, which is why I don't offer programs that are under, Typically, I don't like to offer programs under six months because it's going to take at least six months to be able to start to really shift and change habits and see impactful change. And if I could have everybody work with me for a year, I would because we need that accountability and we need that support throughout all of the seasons, um, not just for a couple months, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your journey and your background. And we're really excited to have this conversation today about hormone health and especially focusing on our cycles, because, um, I know we were talking a little bit pre-recording when we were catching up, but I went off of birth control pill in 2021 and I had been on it probably for about 10 years. And fortunately I didn't go on the birth control pill to mask any symptoms. It was simply to prevent pregnancy And so when I went off the pill, I had a pretty easy transition. But in the last two years, what I really have learned and noticed, and I'm not the hormone expert here. I know you are. And Allie also did advanced training in hormone health. So I really relied on her. But, you know, yes, my cycle came back pretty quickly. It was regular. It was normal. But I quickly learned about the different phases we can have, follicular, ovulatory, luteal, and menstrual, which I really want to go into because I learned quickly that I had really um, terrible luteal phase, actually. And I still, it's something I still really struggle with. Like my PMS was like so bad. I'd get depressed or ragey, both (laughs) super fun. Um, And I quickly got on that side of TikTok and I would see really sad TikToks, actually, if anyone can relate, where people would be like, I really only get a week a month where I feel good, right? Or I only get a few days a month where I feel good. And I'm also a woman who gets um, ovulation pain. So sometimes even though ovulation is supposed to be, you know, in our summer and this great time, it can be, depending on what side I'm ovulating from, it can be a little painful some of the days. So all of this to say, I just wanted to share a little bit about my background and my journey, because I'm sure I'm going to pick both of your brains in this conversation. But, 
you know, I'm really interested in hormone health and I've been really personally wanting to understand the different phases of our cycle. And so just to really kick off this conversation, can you share a little bit about maybe those four phases? And I don't even know where to go, but how did you really, obviously, if you go back and listen to our first conversation of this podcast with you and your sister, you've evolved tremendously. So what was it about learning about our hormones that uh, really attracted you to now making it such a big part of the work that you do? Yeah, no, I love that you are just really focused on getting more in tune with those phases, even though you had a great transition, it is going to only elevate your life and your connection with your body and how you feel. And it is unfortunate that so many women just have these awful experiences the week before their period, or like you said, around ovulation or honestly, sometimes all month long and, you know, just kind of normalize it because other, a lot of other women also deal with it. So we talk with our friends and it's like, oh yeah, I have like terrible, painful periods too. Like I feel like a rage machine, you know, before my period, like I'm just crazy hungry and, you know, wanting to like rip through like all of the snacks in my pantry the week before. And, and you speak with your friends and it's like, oh, that's normal. And then you go and you meet with an OBGYN and, you know, it's like, they're pushing birth control on you or they're just saying like, oh, that's normal, you know? And so I think we just have a lot of it that's normalized in society. And I feel like that's a big part of why I became really interested in this work is just, I know that it's not normal. And I know that there's a way that we can feel so much better. And fortunately, you know, I was raised by a health educator mom, who is the founder of our family business, Your Hormone Balance. And she's been working in the field for over 30 years. And so I grew up with her education and her support, but I also rebelled against it when I got older because it was like, mom, I don't want to keep hearing about hormones. Like not everything comes back to my hormones. Like I would just, you know, I would have like a bad mood or something. And she's like, have you checked your vitamin D levels? And it's like, you know, everything kind of circled back to where was my cycle or whatever. And I just kind of rebelled and wanted to go my own way. But in doing that, you know, I got completely thrown out of whack and eventually turned back to my mom to get support once things got really bad. And she helped me to test my hormone levels to um, start to replenish micronutrients that were lost through the process of being on the pill and adding in more foods and not restricting calories so low and all these different things. And in doing that, I just felt so much better. I couldn't believe that I was able to bring back my cycle relatively quickly, that I was able to drastically improve my energy levels, that I was able to um, reduce a lot of the symptoms. And so I just became so much more in tune with it and much more interested. And, you know, I was also in the throes of still dealing with like body image issues and migraines. So I decided to go back to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a health coach. But it wasn't until more recently that I came into cycle syncing because honestly, I hadn't learned anything about the four phases and I didn't know that, you know, we could align our nutrition and our workouts and our, even our self-care with these four unique phases. And I just thought it was really fascinating. So I read Elisa's Vidi's book in the flow. She really coined the cycle syncing method and started to implement some of the tools and practices and saw even more benefits and started feeling even better. And so I really wanted to help other women do the same, 
But I did feel like it was pretty overwhelming. And even I felt overwhelmed with it. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even remember all the foods that I'm supposed to eat in these different phases. And am I supposed to do seed cycling or not? And then that's almost like a little extra step that's kind of stressful. And, you know, am I never supposed to do HIIT training if it's not, you know, unless it's in the ovulatory phase, like I, I felt overwhelmed. And so I kind of thought other women probably felt overwhelmed too. So I wanted to find a way to kind of break it down and make it more approachable. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, one of the things that, um, I think it's like really empowering to understand the four phases, but as you said too, like with anything that can, or is supposed to be supportive of our health, if we take it to a place where we're feeling more stressed about it, we know fundamentally that stress that's created yeah. is, is not great for our hormone health. Right. So it's like this catch 22, um, and we also know, and it was interesting, we did an episode not too long ago, um, a, with a journalist who writes about, um, like women's sports and, um, and basically like athletic performance, but in the context of like female athletic performance specifically. And we were talking with her about how much, how much, um, like research as far as like you know, fitness goals, fitness, like, um, endurance, building muscle, all of these things that you see, you know, articles or headlines about whatever it might be, um, ways to work out ways to enhance athletic performance, whatever that might be. Most of these studies are done on men. Yeah. Um, and even, even more specific than just like men, she, she says there's sometimes as specific as like, college age male cyclists. Yeah. And then they get results from it. And then it's then like put out as fact for everybody in the human population. And we know we all have, um, unique biology. Yes. You know, we, we all are human beings, but it doesn't mean that we all have the same needs. And as you said so beautifully earlier, your, the individual needs may change based on what part of your life you're in, or, um, even just like what your workload might look like or what your family dynamic might look like. And that's going to change in what your body might need for a certain phase of life. So then we like get sold all these headlines about what the best way to do certain things are. And obviously this also applies for food, but, um, you know, with that, there can be so much noise And I think the empowering thing, at least for me, when I learned about the four phases of my cycle was that, oh, I can even, even not just in the context of my life, but like within the context of the month, my needs can change and I can start to tune into what I might be feeling. Like maybe this week I'm having a lot of energy. Oh, huh. Let me, let me observe. Oh, I'm, I'm in my ovulatory phase or wow, I'm, I'm. I'm feeling a little bit more laggy. Like I need something slower. I need to like respect that. Oh, I'm in my luteal phase, whatever it might be. But to be able to draw those connections in that simple way, I think can be empowering. I'm curious though, as you said, like not to over stimulate ourselves with trying to do too much. Cause that's actually antithetical to like the whole point of it. Yeah. Um, how do you approach it 
say someone is new to even understanding this aspect of their own body, understanding their cycle in this way, how do you approach it where it might be like an introductory or an empowering sort of point of view, like from an empowering point of view, rather than not getting overwhelmed with it all? Yeah, definitely. Because to your point, it is just one more thing on the list that we can feel like we're failing at and that we have to do. And that just adds up and it creates stress. It creates anxiety. It creates shame. Um, You know, I think as women, we hold ourselves to a really high standard a lot of the times. And I work with a lot of clients who come to me from the all or nothing mentality that come to me from diet culture and, you know, admit like I come from this place of like, if I can't do it hundred percent, then I can't do it at all. And so trying to rework through that, you know, it's not going to be helpful if I'm like, okay, and here's one more thing that's going to be, you know, really intense that you have to remember how to do. And you have to like refer to this eat and do not eat list and be very careful that you don't do these exercises during these different phases. It's more so, you know, Hey, Uh, your goal is to maybe to lose weight and you want to do it in a sustainable way this time. But most women also come to me with hormonal symptoms. So, you know, they have PMS or they have, um, acne or they've got low energy, low mood, low libido, just like can't keep up the way they used to. And so, you know, I just position it like, have you, heard of cycle syncing before? Is it something that you're interested in learning more about? And most of them have, and most of them say, yes, but I just like, feel like I just don't even know where to start. And so, um, you know, I just approach it. Like there are these four unique phases of every female's menstrual cycle and our hormones are fluctuating during each one and all with the goal of, you know, the main event of the menstrual cycle, which is ovulation and all the support that process. And so because our hormones are fluctuating all month long versus a male body, which only fluctuates 24 hours, they have their circadian rhythm. We have our circadian rhythm, but we also have the infradian rhythm, which is our hormones fluctuating throughout the course of, you know, the average cycle, which is quote unquote 28 days, but that'll fluctuate based on the person. It could be anywhere between like 25 and 35 days. Anything outside of that could be a sign that, you know, hormonal imbalances should be investigated. Um, But because our hormones are so different than our male counterparts, it doesn't make much sense to be exercising the exact same way, eating the exact same amount of calories, holding ourselves to the same standards when that's not actually necessarily going to support our bodies and Also, if we intuitively start to tune in and we also understand the connection between what our hormones are doing, it's probably going to match up. Like you, once you start recognizing how your hormones fluctuate, and then you look at how you're eating or how you're moving your body, you're probably going to see the disconnect and, oh, no wonder, like I am so exhausted during a HIIT workout the week before my period, whereas like earlier in the month, I can crush it or no wonder I'm so freaking hungry the week before I get my period and I'm trying to like stay in this calorie deficit, but it's just so much harder, but I'm like beating myself up for it. So I just say, you know, it gives you a greater understanding and more compassion for your body so that you can better align your habits and your choices to receive better results, to make your life easier and to just get more in tune with your body and not compare yourself to what your husband's doing or what your best friend is doing, because it's not going to make sense because their hormones are on a completely different level, you know? 
Yeah, no, this is great. And, you know, earlier too, when you mentioned when you talk to your friends or you go to your doctor and they just either they, they just say it's normal because we're all experiencing different things. It was so funny because when I originally talked to my doctor about like my, my difficult luteal phase, right. My, like I said, I get depressed. I get ragey. It's a, it's a whole thing. And then I actually feel great during my menstrual cycle because I'm like, Oh, (laughs) my periods are great. I'm like, it's over. I'm done. I'm in the clear for another three weeks. My doctor literally said to me, he was like, Oh, you should just go back on the birth control pill. Like that was his solution. Yeah. And I was like, I, you know, and I've since, you know, again, really utilizing Allie and her expertise, like the more I'm able to support myself with food and movement, the better my luteal phases become. And actually really, if I cycle sync at all during the month, the luteal phase and right before the luteal phase, like ovulatory to luteal is like the most important for me because, um, I need to set myself up and, uh, Yeah. And it is amazing. I've seen it in myself. Like when I'm really taking care of myself, it's not five days of bad luteal. It's like a day maybe of ragey depression, which is much better, but I digress. (laughs) I do have a question for you. I would love for anybody, you know, I'm sure most of our regular listeners are familiar with these four cycles, but if this is someone's like first time, or they're still really new to it and they're not as familiar. Can we just begin by maybe breaking down each of the four cycles and how we should be supporting ourselves through each? Yeah. So I'll try to do it in a very like top line digestible way. Um, do you want to go through each one, like start with menstrual and then go into like food and movement and then move to the next? That would be great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the first phase is the menstrual phase. And this is the one that pretty much every woman is familiar with because we're bleeding and it is when we shed the uterine lining. So this can last anywhere between about three to seven days, depending on the person. Again, you know, if it's much shorter or longer, that could be a sign that there's some hormonal imbalances going on. But also, just like I said, with the cycle length, that's not going to be the only symptom. Like there's going to be other hormonal symptoms. It's not just that you have a long or short cycle. Um, so yeah, the menstrual phase, you are shedding the uterine lining from the previous cycle. And through this process, you are obviously losing blood. So one of the number one things that I say when it comes to the the menstrual week, if you like don't remember anything else, it's that you need to replete, replenish the iron and zinc that you lose through bleeding. And especially with iron, if you are bleeding and you're not replenishing, then you're going to have really low energy levels, which is actually why a lot of women have very low energy levels on their period, like debilitatingly low having more fatigue, wanting to go a little bit more inward is normal, but I wouldn't say that at all, that it should debilitate you, that you, you know, feel like you can't go to work or you have to just lay in bed all day. And all you can do is like yoga and stretching. Like that's definitely something is going on with your hormones. Um, if that's the case, but one thing that I love to just say is, okay, increase iron for sure. And you know, the best sources of iron, the most bioavailable are going to be from animal protein just is, um, grass fed when possible, grass fed, grass finished red meat. But even if you can't get it grass fed, grass, grass finished, just getting like a good quality red meat burger is going to be awesome. Um, organ meats are also really great, but I know people are a little bit afraid of that. They're just 
packed with micronutrients as well. Um, so, you know, other iron, iron and zinc rich foods you could do would be, um, like spinach and kale are going to be rich in iron. Kale is actually a better source of iron than spinach. And this is called a non-heme iron source. So it's plant-based. So it's not going to be as bioavailable, but one way that you can make it more bioavailable is by enjoying it alongside vitamin C. So any non-heme plant-based iron source, if you pair it with vitamin C, like lemon or like, I don't know, bell peppers, kiwi, kiwi is actually higher in vitamin C than lemon, um, oranges, that's going to help you to better absorb it. So let's say you make kale chips with lemon, right? Like just lemon is really easy because you can kind of squeeze it on top of anything. But if you can do animal protein, a tradition, so I love to make it really approachable and something that you'll remember and a ritual that you can be consistent with. So one thing that I've been doing, I actually am not a steak person. I'm not really a red meat fan. Like I, I like it, but it's not something that I ever really crave. But tuning into the menstrual cycle, it's weird because now that I am more tuned in, I'm like, oh, that is when it actually sounds better to me. And so I'm starting this tradition where the week of my period, I go and I treat myself to a burger. And it's really fun because, you know, A, it is something that is unique and different. B, I know it's supporting my period. And C, it's a treat, right? It's not a cheat. It's a treat. And it allows me to have that more abundant perspective. So just this previous cycle, I went to Shake Shack, which is like a huge like fad in LA. And I was like, let's see if this is even good. And it was really good. And I always just promote blood sugar balance, which is important throughout the entire month, but pairing your carbs with fats and protein at the very least. So, you know, I had the carb, I had the bun, I had the grass fed or not grass fed meat, sorry, just the, the meat. And then I added avocado to get in some healthy fats and then there was lettuce and tomato on it. So, you know, I still was able to balance my blood sugar and I got in that iron. So if you can find a way of just making it approachable for you and making it fun. Um, another way is like grass fed jerky sticks. I love the brand chomps, like just throwing those in your bag and just being more intentional about it. But if you can create a ritual around it, it's going to be a lot easier to remember. And then for zinc rich foods, I love, again, red meat, pumpkin seeds are going to be a great form of zinc, dark chocolate, leafy greens, and that's going to help also with um, proper testosterone levels because testosterone needs zinc. So as our testosterone levels rise during the next phase, which we'll go into, we really want to support the production. And, you know, a lot of women are dealing with low testosterone levels. It's something that I personally have to work on all the time. Every time I get my hormones tested, my testosterone is on the low end, even though I regularly strength train, even though I do all these things. So I have to be really intentional about, you know, making sure that I have zinc through my food and also through high quality multi. So those are going to be a couple of the main things when it comes to nutrition. You'll also hear people say a lot, warm, comforting foods, but again, it's not like you have to only eat warm and comforting foods. Tune into your body. Menstrual cycle is kind of like winter. I've heard it likened to that. And I kind of like comparing the seasons to the phases because it helps you remember it more. Your hormone levels are all at their very lowest point. So in the beginning, especially, you might feel a little bit lower energy. You might want to go more inward and you might just be drawn to more warm and comforting foods. So ways to honor that would be, you know, maybe make up a stew for the week. If you're a mom, like crock pot is, I've been hearing so much about crock pot and I actually want to get one, but just like slow cooker meals where you throw in a bunch of veggies, 
big thing of chicken, maybe some like teriyaki sauce and let it go throughout the day. And if you can add in something like bone broth, like collagen within the bone broth, that's also very healing and sealing for the gut. It's really anti-inflammatory. And because our period is a state of inflammation, it's natural, but nonetheless, it's inflammation. We want to offset that by increasing anti-inflammatory foods. So bone broth is a great one. Nuts and seeds, avocado, extra virgin olive oil, those healthy fats, salmon, you know, omega-3s. Um, if you can do oh, oysters are another great source of zinc as well. Um, but just increasing, you know, ginger, turmeric, things that are just going to help to bring that inflammation down. So those are the, some of the main ones when it comes to nutrition. I don't know if you guys want to add anything, but I can go on to movement after that. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah. If you want to just like a couple of the key points for if people want to move while they're menstruating, but um, also might be dealing with some of like low energy or, or things like that. How can, how can they supportively move through that phase? Yeah. So, um, one more thing I wanted to add on the nutrition side of things is that again, because we're dealing with inflammation, think about keeping inflammatory things low. So sugar, uh, caffeine for some people, um, especially in excess and alcohol for sure. So this is a really good time because you might be feeling like you want to go a little bit more inward, especially the first couple of days, just take stock of that tune in with your body, but this is a good time to just reconnect with yourself. Your left and right brain, brain hemispheres are firing a little bit more, um, intuitively and all on all cylinders. So it's a good time for reflection. So it is a really good time to kind of journal out, what you want for the month ahead, for the year ahead, to really get clear on what's working, what's not, and kind of shed the things that aren't serving you along with the uterine lining. And, you know, that could be just taking note of like, how often am I going out and drinking alcohol, especially during the summer months or as the holidays approach, like how often am I having a glass of wine that turns into two glasses at night? Like when I go out with friends, am I just trying to keep up with everybody's one cocktail turning into five cocktails, just having a little bit more mindfulness around it, not saying you have to completely eliminate it, but after your first glass of wine, can you switch to soda water? Can you, you know, enjoy being present with the people that you're with? And then maybe you decide to have another drink, but being mindful of the sugar content in that drink, instead of getting like a pina colada or a margarita, can you get a tequila soda or a dry wine? you know, and make sure that you're eating a balanced meal with it to support your blood sugar, keeping alcohol consumption. If you are going to have it earlier in the day, so it's not going to impact your sleep as much. Um, so those kind of things are also going to be really important, ensuring that if you are having coffee, that it's not first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, that's going to also impact your blood sugar levels. It can increase anxiety, can create crashes later in the day that leads you to have more sugar cravings. So I'm not saying to completely cut out your caffeine, but at the very minimum, pair it with protein, fats, and um, carbs in the morning, have it after your meal, or at least after a few bites of your meal. Um, also, when it comes to movement, there is, so I know you love myth busting and I do too, but there is just so much out there that says that on your period, all you should do is like walk and do yoga and meditate essentially because your hormones are low. But a lot of women, to your point, Erica, actually feel really good during their menstrual phase. And maybe the first couple of days, 
you know, they're a little bit more bloated or they have a little bit of cramping and FYI, like a little bit of cramping, more fullness, being a little bit more tired, that's normal, but like debilitating cramping, extreme fatigue, just not feeling like you can pull yourself out of bed for the day. That's not normal. And so, you know, you can actually be feeling and should actually be feeling pretty dang good, especially after the first couple of days. And so you can do more movement. And because your hormones are at their lowest point, it actually puts you closer to the profile of a male hormone of male hormones. And it can actually be conducive to do some really good strength training at this time, actually to eliminate some of the inflammation. It can be helpful to do some sprints. Like I'm not saying go and do like crazy amounts of hit training, but maybe something that I do because I hate running, but I don't mind sprints is like 10 minutes where it's like 30 seconds of running as fast as I can. And then like walking for a minute and then 30 seconds of running as fast as I can walking for a minute, just for 10 minutes. And you can do anything for 10 minutes that will help reduce inflammation, help to release some endorphins and can actually improve the way that you feel. And then with strength training, strength training is really hormone supportive all month long. And because it is not going to spike your cortisol levels the same way that a lot of cardio would, it also helps to increase healthy levels of testosterone, which is going to lend itself to more energy, strength, and stamina and sex drive. Um, It's also really supportive for maintaining bone mass and preventing against things like osteoporosis, which is very common the older that we get. Um, and it helps us to burn more fat and it's just a big confidence booster as we, we, when we get stronger as women, it just feels really good. It feels really empowering. I love going on a plane and being able to lift my suitcase even into the overhead bin. I like opening the peanut butter jar and not having to ask my husband. I like carrying my own groceries, you know, it's just, it is really empowering and it's hormone supportive. So if you need to make adjustments throughout the month based on how you feel, that's great. But Um, I would say incorporating some strength training and then complementing it with mobility. That's the thing that a lot of people skip is like, I'm going to do the strength training and I'm just not going to stretch, but you do want to take that time to stretch to prevent injury, but also to help again, reduce cortisol levels, improve your mood, help with flexibility and move that inflammation through you. So I'm a big fan of doing some stretches. Um, Yoga with Adrian on YouTube is great. She has some period pain flows Um, which is really great. I also love yoga with Cassandra. I actually like her a little bit more. She has a ton of 10 minute YouTube videos and I'm just all about the 10 minutes. Um, And so, yeah, that's what I would say when it comes to movement. I just think that there's a lot of misconception out there that it's like this time where like literally you just curl up with a book and don't leave the couch. (laughs) That's not going to necessarily support the way that you want to feel. Yeah. And, and before we move into the other phases, I just, I can attest to that. Like I said, I do feel pretty good on my menstrual cycle typically. Um, like you said, maybe like a day I don't, but yeah, the the rest of the time I do. And I recently started running and I love it. I love it so much. And I, I ran through my menstrual last month and it was probably the best menstrual cycle I've had. Actually, I don't know if there's a correlation to that, but I had the energy to do it and it made everything better. It was like a really great menstrual cycle for me. So it's just interesting to hear you say that because I had the energy and I listened and it was great. So, um, yeah, Yeah. I can attest to being able to do that. And, um, yes. Okay. So, Um, I'm loving this. I'm learning so much. Um, So I think next is follicular, correct? 
Yes, absolutely. So follicular phase um, is going to be, for those who don't know how to track these different phases, by the way, obviously menstrual phase, you mark day one of your period on a calendar, or you could use an app. I personally love this new app called 28. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's awesome. And it tells you the different phases and also supports you with like, there's even little workouts that they provide and like what's going on intuitively, what's going on spiritually, like how to just support your body. So it's a great way to understand the four phases and they even have a way to track, uh, align your, um, life with the four phases. If you don't have a cycle, um, which is really helpful too. So I really like that app. Um, but yeah, so you're going to track that. And then the day after your period ends marks the first day of the follicular phase. And that's going to be about seven to 10 days long. Also, again, depends on the person. Um, and that is basically when follicular follicle stimulating hormone or FSH it increases to help the eggs mature in the ovaries. So the whole, the main event of the menstrual cycle is ovulation. So these eggs are maturing and estrogen and testosterone are on the rise, which can lend itself to more energy. So estrogen is going to help to increase your energy levels. Testosterone is also going to increase your energy levels, your stamina, your sex drive confidence, just like we spoke about. Um, and what's cool too, is that estrogen is an anabolic hormone. So it helps to build and grow. And in that way, it's also just really supportive of like strength training and putting on strength and muscle along with that testosterone, which is why this is a really good time for strength training. Um, and I'll get more into that after I talk about nutrition, but I I'm in my follicular phase right now. And I feel my very best when I'm strength training during this phase. It's just like, I love it and I look forward to it. So follicular phase is kind of like spring. If you think about it, like you're kind of, you know, coming out of your period and you're feeling more energized. You are open to maybe trying new things. Um, you're just feeling like a little pep in your step optimally, if your hormone levels are in balance, everything that I'm saying is not saying like, this is how you're going to feel. A lot of women don't feel the way that I'm saying. And again, that is, these are messages from your body that we need to give your hormones some TLC, but cycle syncing is going to help with that. It's going to help to improve your symptoms. So during the follicular phase, it's really important that we support the gut and the liver. And the same is true for all phases, but as estrogen increases, estrogen is the hormone that we want to use it. And then we want to lose it. We don't want it recirculating in the body. So the way that we get rid of ex excess estrogen is through liver detoxification. So we need to support the liver with optimal nutrients. Um, one of the main ones for the liver is going to be protein. Protein contains all nine essential amino acids, complete proteins contain all nine essential amino acids that we can't produce on our own. So we need adequate protein to help support liver detoxification. We also want to support it through um, cruciferous vegetables. If you can handle them, not everybody can, but cruciferous vegetables can contain a compound called DIM, which helps to sweep excess estrogen out of the body. So I think of it like a little broom, it's helping to sweep the excess. Same with fiber. Fiber is going to help sweep excess estrogen and excess toxins that accumulate via the environment, um, also via prescriptions like hormonal birth control, um, also via things like alcohol, which is a toxin, um, you know, too many processed foods. 
things like that. So we, we definitely want to support by increasing those things. And for women, we want to aim for about 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day. I have my clients track, um, their food intake, not everybody, um, but a good majority. And we look at things like fiber. And a lot of times, even if they're hitting their protein goals, sometimes they're really low in fiber. I've seen people that are getting like seven grams a day. And so that can lead to feeling really constipated. That can lead to just having these higher levels of estrogen, which can lead to estrogen dominance, where estrogen is more dominant over progesterone, which can be the catalyst for a lot of hormonal symptoms as well. So we want to get that excess estrogen out. And these are some of the ways to do it. Now, if you're doing cruciferous vegetables, roast them, bake them, cook them, try not to eat them raw because it's harder for the body to digest. Um, I do eat some raw and I'm okay with it in moderation. Like I love putting frozen cauliflower um, into a smoothie but actually maybe frozen cauliflower. Do you guys know is frozen cauliflower cooked and then frozen or is it? I raw? think it's Blanche. I was so funny. I was thinking the same thing the other day. Cause I have a, I had a bag of frozen that I was putting into my smoothie Yeah, not the whole bag, but I was, I was using them <laughs> <Mine> <laughs> yeah, also, like, yeah. a lot. Um, and I think it must be blanched and then frozen because of the texture too, right? The texture and usually it's riced. Well, the bag that I had was riced like in so tiny pieces. I would imagine it's easier to create the rice like pieces uh, if it's blanched first. I, it's a good question, but I don't have the same kind of um like I might feel a little distressed if I'm eating raw broccoli or raw cauliflower munching on it. I can do a little bit too, but too much just doesn't work for me. But I never have a problem if I put it in a uh, collie in a smoothie. So my guess so is, be, yeah, yeah so you should look that up. And then yeah. also um, you can always like rice your own cauliflower and then freeze it if you want to. Um I'm so lazy with stuff like that. I just like would never do that, but you know, a lot of people do and more power to you. Um, I'm just very simple with things. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's a great little hack. Um, and then in terms of other nutrition things to focus on again, balancing blood sugar always throughout the month, instead of having your carbs naked, pairing them with protein and fat. Um, we also want to increase foods rich in vitamin E. So things like sunflower seeds, avocado, almonds, and spinach. And that just helps to nourish the ovaries to formulate follicles. And then zinc, again, is going to help with the healthy libido and all the other things that we talked about. So again, zinc can be found in things like oysters, but also dark chocolate. So this gives you permission to enjoy some dark chocolate. Um, also beets, I love. And beets are really awesome um, because they also can help to, um, they can help ease cramps. So like even during the luteal phase, they can be really good because they help to um, increase blood flow to the uterus. So they're really, really great also for liver detoxification. So if you're not eating beets, think about adding them in. And honestly, you could add them in all month long, but you can add like a beet powder to your smoothies. Um, you could do like those just beets that are already cooked. You can add them to your salad, which is really yummy. I love like a goat cheese and beet salad. Um, you could do like roasted beets. I mean, there's so many ways of enjoying them. Um, and then your metabolism. Okay. So this is a super important point that I want to make. 
We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand that began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare products born from the spa. One of Milk and Honey's best-selling products is the natural deodorant, which is loved by Zoe Kravitz and was featured in her Vogue's Beauty Secrets video. I've been using the baking soda free version exclusively for over two, three years. This gentle aluminum free baking soda free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. It never gave me any itchy red bumps when I switched over and passed the smell test, even after an intense workout. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. In addition to clean deodorant, their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, Supergoop, and more. Some favorite products of mine other than the deodorant include Milk and Honey's Gel Cleanser, Supergoop Glow Screen and SPF 40, which I now buy on their site, and Osea's Body Oil and Vegas Nerve Oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. Their spas are also lovely, and we are both big fans of their spa treatments. And we now offer discounts at both the online boutique and spa locations on all spa and med spa treatments. We are also thrilled to partner with Milk and Honey to offer a courageous wellness spa package called the Courageous Wellness Retreat at a discounted rate. The Courageous Wellness Retreat combines a 60-minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CWPODCAST. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package offered at a special rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. You can also find all the information in our show notes. During the follicular phase and also during the ovulatory phase, which comes after the follicular phase, your resting cortisol levels, your stress hormone are lower, which means that you're more resilient to stress. So you can handle a little bit more stress. And I don't just mean like physical or emotional stress. I mean, stress in the form of exercising, stress in the form of being in a calorie deficit, stress in the form of sleep alcohol, things like that. So I'm not saying like, go have a rager and just like do all these things at once. Cause you're still going to feel like crap, but you may notice that you can handle those things a little bit more. So I actually just did a little mini video for my clients on this, where I woke up one morning, I had only gotten six hours sleep, which is rare for me because I'm just such a sleep hog. Like I'm like, give me more. Like I have to have eight to nine hours. And I'm just very particular about 
getting that. And so I had six hours of sleep, which normally just really does impact me. But I woke up and I was like, weird, like I'm still, I still got great energy to go take this workout class that I signed up for. So I hopped on and created a little video about it. Cause I realized I was in my follicular phase. And if I was in my luteal phase, I don't think I would have been able to do that, but I had more energy and I was able to bounce back quicker from lack of less sleep. So my body was more resilient to it. Right. Um, it's also the time where I give myself permission to enjoy a little bit more alcohol. Obviously alcohol is not supportive for your hormones anytime a month, really in any amount. Let's be real. Like we don't need the reserve to help us with our heart. Like it's not necessary. Like we don't need those antioxidants from wine, but let's be real. Alcohol is something that is fun and it's social and it's a part of many cultures. And I personally love wine tasting because it's not just about the wine. It's about like the beauty of the wine country and learning about the process. And so, you know, I think if you're going to have it, it's having a relationship with it. That's more mindful, understanding your why for why am I drinking? Is it because like, I've just had a really stressful day and I quote unquote need it. Or is it because like, I want a glass of wine. It's a sunny day. I'm meeting up with a friend. Like we're going to enjoy the moment. I'm not like taking shots and like moving on to fourth meal. So I think, um, just having more mindfulness around it, but during this phase, you're probably going to be able to bounce back faster from it as well. So you might have a couple more drinks and stay up a little bit more, a bit later and you feel much better than if you did it later in the month. Um, same thing with exercise. So this is, this is like a perfect transition into exercise are because our resting cortisol levels are low, we can offset that, or we can complement that with more cardio. And so this is a really good time to increase your cardio. So if you love a boot camp class, like orange theory, um, or berries, or you like hit training workouts on YouTube, or you want to try a new class. My sister just told me about a class she took, which was like trampoline bar. I've never heard of it. And she was like, you have to come with me. But she said it was really great cardio and just super fun. So finding a way to move your body that you enjoy, not doing it because you feel like you have to, or you should, but your body is going to be more resilient. It's going to respond better to it. And again, you know, with HIIT training, it is a stress on the body. It does increase cortisol. So I don't recommend doing it more than two to three times a week period for longer than 20 to 30 minutes. Um, but this is the time where maybe you could do those three times a week. Um, I don't recommend going to orange theory five, six times a week, really ever, or boot camp classes five to six times a week ever. It really is going to take a toll on your hormones. So, um, sorry, my mom's calling me. I'm like, oh, um, so yeah, it is definitely just great to just tune in. How are my energy levels? If you're seeing that they're higher, if you're seeing that, you know, you're more drawn to these type of workouts, go for it because your body is going to be able to handle it better. If you wake up and you're extremely fatigued, you are not feeling good. Again, listen to your body. It's sending you a message. Do something that's going to support the way that you feel and don't zap your energy even more. But, um, on the exercise front, it also is good to continue with your strength training. Again, strength training is going to be supportive all month long. So complementing the cardio with strength training, cardio is catabolic. So it's going to break down muscle tissue. So you want to always be rebuilding with your weight training and, um, and then, you know, again, complementing it with mobility and restorative movement, like walking and yoga during this phase 
and during the ovulatory phase, our metabolism is also slightly slower. So we can offset a slower metabolism by, you know, if we are in a weight loss phase or in a fat loss phase, like this would be a good time to be in a caloric deficit. You will find that you're not as hungry. You'll find that your energy is more sustained and that you can still get in pretty good workouts. Um, so, you know, if you're interested in doing something like that, you may notice that it's a lot easier for you during this follicular and ovulatory phase. Um, you know, Jess, you make a good point that I, I recently learned cause I did, um, a CGM, which I think I maybe talked about on the mm-hmm. on our show, but, um, what I found when well, you're talking about this phase is more resilient. And, um, we, what I found is when I moved into my luteal phase too, from my follicular phase. So like my blood glucose, my resting glucose is actually, cause I think you were talking about cortisol as well mm-hmm. in that context was lower naturally, much lower naturally in the, in the follicular and ovulatory. And after ovulation, it became, I became more, um, basically more insulin resistant. Yep. Yeah. True. And I saw it first. I knew that, but then all of a sudden I like saw it firsthand and I like tested it for myself and I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. So as you're saying, like, you know, blood sugar balance is important all month long. It is. We, it's like preach, preach, preach over here. It's like all we talk about. And it showed me just like, like you said, basically based on these two phases, like the follicular into the ovulatory, things change after we ovulate and it becomes even more vital. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, um, like that blood sugar balance, through the luteal, then it's like even more necessary because I realized like how much more insulin (laughs) resistant I became Ah. and how much more insulin sensitive I was, um, in the, in the earlier phases, but it's, it's so cool to actually like test it on yourself and see it firsthand. Yeah. I wore a CGM too for a while and I'm a fan of gathering data. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the person. I think I do too. Some people, it's not a good fit because they start getting obsessive about like, oh my gosh, like I ate this thing. I shouldn't have eaten this thing. Like, oh no, like stressing out about it. Whereas I utilized it as data. Like I had this huge sushi meal one night and it was like all white rice and my, you know, insulin spiked so much and it like didn't recover very fast. And I was like, cool. Like that's, you know, that shows me that I don't recover that well when I have a ton of carbs in one sitting, but I already kind of knew that. And it didn't change the fact that I'm still going to do that. I'm just going to be mindful about, you know, not doing it all the time. And when I do do it, try to increase my protein, try to make sure there's healthy fats added, you know, but I think it is super helpful. And that's such a good point you make because yes, we are more insulin resistant during that luteal phase, the week to two weeks before our period. And we can dive into that after the ovulation phase, but we're more sensitive during the first half of the cycle. So that's so so interesting. Um, So I know you touched a little bit on ovulation, but we're kind of moving in there, like that, the peak, the the peak, you know, moment of the month. Um, So can we touch a little bit on that? And then you could take us right into luteal as well. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So the ovulatory phase, and this is so important. So this is the main event. It's the queen bee of the menstrual cycle. It's truly the purpose of it. And it's so important that we're ovulating. 
if we're not ovulating, we are not producing progesterone. So the first half of the menstrual cycle is really run by estrogen. The second half is run by progesterone. Um, now progesterone is, so during ovulation, there's a peak in estrogen, which signals a surge in LH or luteinizing hormone. And this triggers ovulation within about 24 to 48 hours. And ovulation is when an egg is released from the dominant follicle, which I always say is like the winner of the race, right? And it's released within an ovary and it, or from an ovary, it goes into the fallopian tube and that's where it can become fertilized by sperm and high levels of estrogen prompt this cervical fluid that is really stretchy and abundant and kind of like egg whites. You could stretch it between your fingers. So I don't know. I remember when I first learned about this, I was like, oh my God, that's so gross. Like, I'm not going to check that out. But now I see it as just like a science thing. Like I'm like, oh, whoa, that's so interesting. So your cervical fluid, it's often referred to it mostly cervical mucus. I cannot stand the word mucus. So I say fluid, um, but it essentially changes throughout the course of our menstrual cycle. And we have dry phases and we have wet phases. And I won't go into all that now because that would take forever. But essentially, um, the closer that you get to ovulation, you'll see that cervical fluid in your underwear. You will see it start to get more abundant and clear and stretchy. And that is a sign that you are going into peak fertility. So if you're not trying to get pregnant, you definitely want to use protection. If you are, it's a great time to go for it. Um, but it's so cool to see it change. And it also, and, and this, this egg white, fluid helps the sperm along in their journey to the egg, which is also really fascinating. I kind of think of it as like a slip and slide. Like it like helps them like slide over to the egg, um, and to fertilize it. And what's crazy is that this phase is about three to seven days. And the reason for that is that there's only that one day of ovulation, but there's up to five days that sperm can survive inside of us via, via the peak cervical fluid. And so that's why we can get pregnant up to six or seven days a month. So I always say like the five days leading up to ovulation, the one day of ovulation, and then you probably want to be careful the day after as well, if you're not trying to get pregnant. And so contrary to what we were not taught in, in school, you can't get pregnant just by looking at a dude. Like it's, you have to be, you know, you have to be in the ovulation phase. One caveat, and I, did get some bite back on this on Instagram was like a couple women being like, well, I got pregnant having sex on my period. So that's not true, but that only happens in very few cases. It's very rare. And it's because that person, that woman has a very short follicular phase. So if they had sex towards the end of their period and then sperm can survive inside of you for five days, you could technically get pregnant, but it's not, you can only, you still can only get pregnant during the ovulate ovulatory phase. Yeah. And like, just, that's a really good point. It's uncommon, but I, I even was doing like a course of herbs to kind of support some hormone balance stuff. And my, my period has always been real clockwork. Like I can tell you the day I'm ovulating, I can tell you the day I'm going to get my period. Yeah. But that month I had it because it was, um, like, incredibly supportive and it made everything <laughs> juicier for lack yeah. of a better word. I ovulated like a week early 
Because mm-hmm. so there are, which was like, I finished my period. And then I was like, whoa, this is crazy. This never happens. Yeah. So there are those like rare months where something or like you're traveling or some external stuff or something okay. can, you know, mess with your hormones. And, um, I guess if you're not tracking, you wouldn't, you could not know. And that's like the rare occasion where maybe someone ovulated, like their ovulation process started while they're still menstruating, which is very unusual. It is very very unusual. It's very rare, but it does happen occasionally. And that's actually, you bring up another point that I want to make is that do not rely on your tracking app to tell you when you ovulate, like 28, my flow, like all of these, no matter how good the app is, it's not going to know when you ovulate, it's going to give you a prediction based on your cycle length. So if your cycle length is 30 days, it's going to go smack dab in the middle and tell you that you ovulated on day 15, but that is not true. And I have so many women that I work with that are just using that. And they're like, Oh yeah, I ovulate day 15. I'm like, how do you know? And then they tell me, and they're not tracking their cervical fluid or anything else. And so cervical fluid is an uh, a sign that, you know, you're approaching peak fertility, not that you've ovulated yet though, but the other way to tell if you've ovulated is by tracking your basal body temperature. Yeah. And you I can- did that when I went off birth control, when I went off the birth control pill, I did BBT, the basal body temperature thermometer and, and I used ovulation sticks to like oh, figure cool. out what my cycle was. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love natural cycles. Um, it comes with the, you can track your cycle in there and it also comes with the thermometer and then it has an algorithm. So once it has enough data, it'll tell you your fertile and non-fertile days. One thing I'll say is you have to be consistent with it because your temperature. So after ovulation, I'll back up a little bit after ovulation, um, the follicle that the egg bursts from turns into this temporary gland called the corpus luteum, which is really cool. And it's what secretes progesterone and progesterone is a thermogenic hormone. So it actually heats up the body and it speeds up your metabolism. And so after ovulation, your basal body temperature will increase by about 0.5 to one degree. And so basal body tracking will tell you that, but if you had alcohol the night before you traveled, you didn't sleep well, you got up to go pee right before you took your temperature, that's going to give you a false increase. So I always say you want at least three to four days of high temperature days before you confirm it. And if you can afford something like the aura ring, I recently switched to aura ring because they have a partnership with natural cycles. You actually even get like a 30 or $40 discount. Um, And now I just wear the ring at night and it takes my basal body temperature and it filters out some of those disruptions. And it's also just easier to remember. I was like forgetting a lot to use the thermometer in the morning. Um, Or a ring is also cool because it helps track your sleep and your steps and your heart rate and stuff like that. Um, So there's a few options. There's something else called temp drop, which is an armband, a wearable armband. There's the daisy. I mean, there's a bunch of different ones. So look into it, but absolutely pair basal BBT tracking with cervical fluid tracking and cycle tracking. And that'll be the best way to know that you have ovulated when ovulation is approaching and also to help you either prevent or plan pregnancy. It might sound like a lot if you're hearing this for the first time, but I promise you these devices make it so much easier and these apps help you to track things. And it just becomes really intuitive and super easy. It's actually really empowering. Um, so now that we are into, so now that we've ovulated, we'll go into the luteal phase, but the ovulation phase, the like three to seven days, 
this is where your estrogen is peaking, your testosterone is peaking. So the suggestions are going to be really similar to the follicular phase, support the gut, support the liver, make sure you're eating those cruciferous vegetables. You're, you know, making sure that you're supporting the gut through with enough fiber and probiotic rich foods, things of that nature. Um, light and vibrant foods may be more appealing to you because your metabolism is slightly slower still. Again, a really good phase for a calorie deficit if you are wanting to lose fat. Um, really good time to increase that HIIT training. So very similar to follicular phase, um, you might find that you have the most energy. Now, if you don't, um, and you feel like some women feel bulletproof, other women feel really flat. If you're feeling really flat, um, this could be, again, hormonal imbalances, specifically because your estrogen peaks. If you're estrogen dominant, and then your estrogen is peaking, and it's making you more estrogen dominant, then that's going to lead to more symptoms. Um, so you might have you know, more fatigue, you might have more mood swings, you might have some tender breasts, you might experience um, more constipation, like there's certain things that you might experience around ovulation that don't match up with how you should be feeling. Um, so again, we got to do a little bit of digging, but most women will be feeling more energy, more sex drive, more stamina. Um, and because you are feeling more sex drive, that's where, you know, you want to use protection if you, you know, are not trying to get pregnant. Um, so I think that's the main stuff on ovulation. And then when we go into the luteal phase, this is the longest phase. It's the fourth and final phase. Oh, and ovulation is like summer. And then the luteal phase is like autumn. Now, luteal is about 10 to 14 days, depending on the person. If you have a really short luteal phase, again, this could be a sign of a hormonal imbalance, um, potentially that you didn't produce enough progesterone, which is really important. And the early part of the luteal phase and the late part of the luteal phase are going to have slightly different recommendations. Um, but important to know across the board that our metabolism speeds up. Like I said, progesterone is a thermogenic hormone. So it's going to speed up your metabolism and you're going to feel hungrier. If you really tune in, you're going to feel hungrier, especially the week before your period, but pretty much that whole luteal phase. So lean into that. I have a lot of clients who are in a calorie deficit to lose fat, but I actually recommend that they come out of it during the luteal phase, or at least the week before their period and go back to their maintenance, or just at least add in 200 to 300 more calories, primarily from protein. And the minute that they do that, they just feel so much better. So it's almost like cyclical, um, uh, being in a cyclical deficit where it's like maybe three weeks on one week off, something like that. And they just feel so much better and you can still make progress that way. Is it going to be a little bit slower? Yeah. But is it worth it? Yeah. Because your results are going to be way more sustainable. And there's actually a study that has proven that people that do this method actually lose more weight and keep it off longer than people that are just trying to be in a deficit all month long because of how much more sustainable it is. Cause they're not like binging and restricting. Um, and so I say increase your calories by about 200 to 300. If you don't look at calories completely fine, just add in an extra snack, like something protein rich, um, maybe like a protein ball that you make from home. I like to add in like those perfect bar minis, um, like the snack size one, or, um, 
cottage cheese is all the rage right now. So you could make one of those like cottage cheese ice creams, um, you know, put some nut butter on a rice cake and have a scoop of protein on the side. Like those little things are going to make a big difference, but also listen to your body. When I started cycle syncing for the first time, that was the first thing I noticed. I had been ignoring it. I had been like, I always have a snack. I always had a snack at 4 p.m. Like on the dot. It was this weird thing I did. It always was at 4 p.m. And I started noticing that during the luteal phase, I was starving at 3 p.m. Even if I had had the same lunch that I had had the previous phase. So I just moved my snack up earlier and increased the amount of it. And like that did it for me. So that's the biggest thing in the luteal phase. Um, and, and then the other thing is a lot of women say that they crave chocolate. And there's been some um, evidence to show that that could be because we are more deficient in magnesium and chocolate is a source of magnesium, especially cacao is one of the richest sources of magnesium on the planet. So adding in some dark chocolate, like I know the brand Who Kitchen is really popular. Um, you know, I love cacao nibs. I put cacao nibs on my smoothies. Um, I'll do like a protein waffle with nut butter and put like cacao nibs on there. Um, I have superfood latte blends that I sell and I have a cacao one. So there's lots of ways to obviously sneak in chocolate. And so just honor your body instead of beating yourself up. I mean, like, why am I hungry? Why am I craving chocolate? It's like, this is why. And your body is asking for these things. So listen and um, yeah. And then increase magnesium through other foods like leafy greens, avocados, nuts and seeds. But also I would definitely recommend taking a magnesium supplement. Um, I love magnesium glycinate. It's more bioavailable. I like a liquid formulation because again, it's going to be better absorbed by the body. I use the brand two by four nutrition. Um, and that can be game changing for cramping, for moods, for sleep, for anxiety, headaches, um, which are all things that are common during the premenstrual week. If you are feeling like you have, you just like hate this time of the month, especially the week before your period, because you have really low energy levels, you're snapping at your family, you don't want to hug anyone because your boobs hurt so bad. Um, I used to like literally look like I got breast implants the week before my period because they were so huge and I just, and, and painful. And, um, you know, if you're having migraines, that's something that is a big sign for me. If you are having cystic breakouts, this is all common. It is not normal. Fuller breasts, more fatigue, more hunger. That's normal. But these are all signs that you're dealing with a hormonal imbalance. So, you know, you can get your hormones tested. We offer that through our family business, your hormone balance. Um, we love saliva because that helps you get to the root and it's also more accurate than standard blood testing. Um, but it's really a great way to see like, why is it that I'm, I'm feeling this way? But even if you don't do testing, implementing some of these strategies is going to be really supportive. So um, again, you want to really focus on blood sugar balance to Ali's point way more so during this phase because you are more insulin sensitive or more insulin resistant. So just really making sure that you're getting adequate levels of protein and healthy fats. A lot of people will say because you're insulin, more insulin resistant during this phase, cut out carbs. And I don't agree with that at all. Um, I actually think we need to increase carbs, but just increase them from nutrient rich sources. So like sweet potatoes, quinoa, um, whole grains, butternut squash, winter squash, um, oatmeal, things like that are going to be great because they come packed with fiber and other vitamins and minerals. 
but again, pairing them with protein and fats because carbohydrates help us produce serotonin, which is our feel good neurotransmitter. So if you're not eating carbs, you might feel even more grouchy and low mood, which is funny to me. Cause it's like, no wonder we all feel hangry when we cut carbs. Like there is a reason. Yeah. And um, that's why. So again, give yourself permission to enjoy carbohydrates, but just pair them, um, pair them right. So yeah, yeah that, that, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's really, um, as somebody who had, has difficult luteal phase, right? Like it's that second half. Like I said, it would be like the last five days and now it's, you know, last month it was like a day, which is game changing. But as you mentioned, it's, it's, it's interesting because as I focus on blood sugar balancing and, um, increasing protein, which is really hard for me because I'm not, I don't love animal protein. So it's protein is hard for me, which is probably why it's been so difficult, but increasing protein and then watching, I mean, I eat carbs all month long, but, um, watching sugar during my luteal phase has been really, um, increasing protein and decreasing sugar, not like, you know, is, um, that's, that, that's been the biggest game changer in the last like couple months for me. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's what I see for a lot of women. And we're, while we're on the protein point, um, most women are drastically under eating protein. And when I have them track their protein intake, almost all of them say like, I eat a lot of protein and almost all of them eat about 50% of what they need. And really we need as women about 0.7 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, I try to aim for a pound, a gram per pound of body weight because I'm really active. I do a lot of strength training. So you want to be on the higher level. If you're someone who's really active, if you do a lot of strength training, if you're older, our protein needs increase. If you're breastfeeding, your protein needs are going to increase. But if you want to make it easy, just try to aim for at least 30 grams of protein per meal. And it's important because again, for liver detoxification, but also for blood sugar balance, if you're in a weight loss phase and you're not eating enough protein, you can lose, and you're not strength training, you can lose both fat and muscle, which is going to slow down your metabolism. So, you know, if you want to lose weight, you really need to keep your protein intake high. And that also supports, like I said, the thyroid. So yeah, that's one thing that like, I'm just like, non-negotiable with my clients. Like we have to get your protein up. I don't care if you're eating carbs. I love carbs. I don't want you to cut them out. Don't want you to cut out fat. Fats are the way that we produce our sex hormones. They give us energy and brain function, but we have to prioritize protein and build our plate around that. And it doesn't have to be entirely from animal sources. There's great protein powders out there like love sweat fitness and just ingredients are the ones that I recommend. Um, you know, there's, you know, if you, if you're vegetarian, you can do eggs, egg whites are higher than in protein than eggs. Um, there's a lot of ways, you know, cottage cheese, again, there's a lot of ways to get it in. And there's a lot of great plant-based sources too. Like you could do chickpea pasta instead of regular pasta and get more protein and fiber in that way. So it's just being intentional about it and finding swaps and, you know, leaning on protein rich snacks too, instead of like going for just the carby snacks. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. This has been like so packed full of information. I'm really glad we got to spend time kind of breaking down the um, four parts of of our infradian rhythm. And I have to say, you also were very impactful when I think the last time I saw you and um, 
you were saying, have you ever, have you ever tracked your protein? And I said, oh, no. yeah. and I was totally one of those people like, Oh, I eat a ton of protein, you know? And he started doing it just like, you know, not in any sort of obsessive way, just saying like, Oh, roughly, what am I having at this meal? Roughly counting it up. And I was shocked at actually how little I was getting. So uh, since, since then, which was some time, like a year and a half, maybe, maybe it was like that long ago, year and a half. Oh my ago, gosh. Was it last year? At what? least. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We have to get together. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, acceptable. But I've, I've gotten on it for myself, my husband, like just an awareness of what it can do for us and how great, as you mentioned too, that like when we increase our protein, um, it actually, especially in the beginning of the day, it actually has an impact on what our blood sugar is going to do throughout the rest of the day as well. So, um, yeah, but you were the one who really like opened my eyes about it as I far as like my awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember you texting me being like, oh my gosh, I'm getting like 60 grams a day. And I thought I was getting like way over way that. more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, I was the same way. I was like promoting protein like two years ago. And then I finally started tracking it and I was like, oops, like I'm not even really eating that much protein. So yeah, I think it's just intentionality. And just once you do, you start to reap the benefits. Again, none of these things that I'm saying are like that hard. It just an awareness and tuning in. Like one more thing that I want to mention with the luteal phase is that just like I said, with the follicular and ovulatory phases, your resting cortisol was lower. Your resting cortisol is higher during the luteal phase. So you're less resilient to stressors like too much alcohol and caffeine and HIIT training and, you know, blood sugar imbalances and things of that nature. So this is really the phase where we want to be intentional about reducing, maybe switch your second cup of coffee for an herbal tea. Um, if you're somebody who gets really bad period cramps, drink red raspberry leaf tea the week leading up to your period and on your period, it can help so much with cramping, um, switch your alcohol for a mocktail or have be one and done, you know, do it earlier in the day. Like make sure that when you are drinking, you're again, pairing it with a full meal instead of an empty stomach. Um, making sure that you're really prioritizing sleep during this time. And when it comes to exercise, this is truly the phase, especially the second half of the luteal phase, the premenstrual week, cut out HIIT training. Like if, if, if that's the one thing you remember about exercise, cut out the HIIT training and replace it with restorative, with walking, with yoga, with Pilates, but keep strength training, keep your strength training throughout the whole month. You're, if you are lower energy, if you're experiencing a lot of PMS, again, you got to tune in and listen to your body. But I promote progressive overload style strength training, which is where every week that you go back to do the same exercises you did the week before, you attempt to either increase the reps or the weight. And that's going to help you to progress and build strength. You're not going to be able to do it every week, but you try. I say during the luteal phase, don't the week before your period, don't try to do progressive overload. Just try to lift the same that you did the week before, or you might need to go lower, or you might need to cut out an extra set. You might need to take more rest. You might need to modify it, but it doesn't mean that you have to completely cut it out is I think the biggest message is again, like we hear these messages of like only walk and lay around and do nothing, but that's not really the case. Again, like you can still move your body. You can still support muscle building, but you want to do it in a way that's going to work best for you. And 
throughout all of these phases, you want to tune in. If you didn't get great sleep the night before, if you're traveling to another country and you're, or you're hungover because you went to Taylor Swift or you're like, just not feeling your best. It doesn't matter that you're in the ovulatory phase. Like you don't need to crush a hit workout. You, your body needs more rest. It needs yeah. more walking. It needs more sleep. Like we can know what is optimal during each of these phases and what's going to be technically best for our body. But we also have to tune in and know that there's these lifestyle factors and changes and curveballs that are going to impact our ability to feel the way that we should. So when it comes down to it, it's yes, using these, this method to get more tuned in and understand how your hormones are changing and what might better support you, but then also actually tuning in and seeing how you feel. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I, you know, I just really appreciate kind of like the way you put out information too, um, for your, your clients and your followers and just, um, it's, it's, accessible. And, um, I think it's also, like you said, it's like when you, when you really understand and not in a, not in a controlling way, not in a one more thing kind of way, but deeply understand this, um, the infradian rhythm, it helps you get in better touch with your body so that when there are days where you have to say like, you know what, I'm just tired of what I need is sleep. And I need to acknowledge that you, I think it allows a little bit more grace with all of that stuff, with really being in tune. Um, and yeah, so that's great. So as we start to wrap up, I want to ask you our first wrap up question, which is what does your daily self-care practice look like at this phase in your life? And do you have any non-negotiables in your day? Yeah, I do. I'm very routine, which my husband gives me crap for. He's like, Mrs. Routine, like our dog is also Mrs. Routine now because of you. Like she expects a walk at certain times of the day and she like has to have a bone at like 7 p.m. at night. And like, she's just, it's so funny. She's my little mini me, but um, I just love, I do really thrive off of routines, but I like to call them rituals because I want to be flexible with it based on how I'm feeling and where I'm at in my cycle and it shifts and it changes. But I will say the constants that I really find work best for me is waking up and spending the first five minutes journaling out my priorities for the day. I use this uh, journal called the productivity planner. And it also asks you like what you're grateful for, what your intention is for the day. And then at the end of the day, you come back and you write down, you reflect on the day. Um, it only takes a few minutes. And then I also have like a little book of joy where it asks me like, how did you spread joy today? And like, what brought you joy? So those together take me like seven minutes. And then I read at least one chapter of my book. I love to read, but I also don't like to put like harsh restrictions, like rules around stuff. So I'll just be like, even if you do like two pages, that's fine, you know, or just like one chapter. So I find that that really helps me be calm. And I try not to check my phone because I feel like that just makes you reactive to the day and already stressed. Um, So after that, I always go for some form of movement. So Typically about four days a week, I strength train. So I will go and get in a strength training workout and I make myself a little like pre-strength training breakfast. Um, I usually do like half my breakfast before strength training and then half afterwards. And on both ends, I make sure that there's a good protein and carb source to give me energy. And then when I get back, I always do a walk with Presh, my dog, and it might be a 10 minute walk if I need to like really get hustle and get to work, or it might be an hour, but I'm grateful because doing online coaching, I'm able to message my clients while I walk. So I, 
ideally I would not have my phone, but I can't do like a three hour morning routine. So I'll be, you know, messaging clients, voice noting them, like maybe doing like some social media stuff, getting back to DMs, things like that. But I just love it. And I just find that it makes me enjoy the work that I do even more when I'm like out and about in the sun and not just like sitting in front of my computer screen all day. Um, so yeah, that's really, I would say like my morning, um, and those are my non-negotiables. And then the rest of the day is kind of just flexible with what I feel like I'm not the greatest at night. I don't like, I don't turn off screens. I like to watch a show. I'm like big on, um, Vanderpump right now, like catching up with all the drama. Oh my God. It's so addicting, but I do have things that I do where it's like, I dim the lights. I change my computer screen to an amber glow. I use this app called flux that does it for you. Um, I like candles. I have like a diffuser, just try to create like these wind down rituals that get my body prepped and primed for sleep, but I don't really struggle with sleep. So I don't find that I have to not watch TV before bed. If you're somebody that does like, again, it's like all bio-individual, right? Um, but I do find the type of content that I consume matters a lot. Like if I'm watching true crime before bed, that really impacts my sleep and my dreams. So I try to be conscious of that. Yeah, no, those are so great. Thank you so much for sharing. The next question we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Oh, courageous. Well, I think that it's such a powerful word and I think it's just, you know, doing things that scare you a little bit, but that challenge you to grow and to change because a lot of us are afraid of taking risks and doing something different or new because we don't know the outcome. But I always say like growing pains are called growing pains for a reason. It's not comfortable and it hurts a little bit while you're in it, but it means that you're growing and you're progressing. And that at the end of the day is a beautiful thing. So I think that requires being courageous too. Thank you. And the final one is, do you have a book recommendation you would give to our listeners? And it can really be on anything, like just something that's meant something to you. My gosh. Yeah, actually I have to shout her out. I love her. Um, Linise brothers. She is the founder of eat, love, move. And she has a book called you can have a better period. And she was the first person that we brought on our podcast, like over two years ago now who talked about cycle syncing and she's just such a wonderful human. And the book is amazing. If you're somebody who has like really bad PMS or bad periods, like it really is so helpful and she breaks things down in a really digestible way. So highly recommend that book. Thank you. Thank you so much again for sharing everything you shared today. It was so good. I learned so much. I really soaked so much in. And if anyone wants to find you, follow or work with you, where can they do all of those things? Well, thank you ladies for having me. It's been a joy. We'll definitely have to get together soon. Um, So people can follow me at Body Bliss by Jess on Instagram. And we have the Solo 2.0 podcast. We talk a lot about health and hormones. I'm going to be releasing a solo episode all around cycle thinking. So if you want even more of it, um, and then if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, I provide custom meal plans, custom hormone supportive workout plans, educational lessons on everything from cycle thinking to mindset to gut health. 
Um, but I also teach you how to balance your blood sugar. I'm not about just like giving you a meal plan and sending you on your way. I want that support if you need it, but also teaching you how to build your own meals and how to order when you're out at restaurants or traveling. Um, but if you're interested in that, you can book a free discovery call at www.bodyblissbyjess.net. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.